0: This is Chris Charles of Idle Features, and you just listened to a taste of a song entitled Me, performed by my guest, who is now with me on the line. She's a lady who, in 2006, was dubbed by indie horror pundits as Hollywood's hottest scream queen. She's appeared in such films as Werewolf in a Women's Prison, Diary of a Serial Killer, Horrorween, Aliens vs. Avatars, and Killjoy Psycho Circus, Miss Victoria DeMar. And how are you this evening, Victoria?
1: Ooh, I'm awesome, Chris. Thank you so very much for having me.
0: Well, it's my pleasure. Now, uh, those were just a select few of your long <laughs> list of film credits. When you started acting, did you set out to become a horror actress, or did you just gravitate to horror because that's where the work was? Well, I was
1: always a horror fan as a child um, of horror films. I, I always went to the horror section instead of the Disney section when I was a little girl, so... Um, I really started working in horror just out of luck for auditioning for um, horror comedies, horror thrillers, and getting hired, and was thrilled Mm -hmm. because I loved the genre. So um, that's kind of how it all started.
0: I was looking at your uh, resume, and I see you had a small role on the popular soap As the World Turns in 1999. Was that your first acting job?
1: Uh, One of. One of uh, Mm -hmm. when I was still in New York.
0: I see. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> and what was that like?
1: Uh, it was awesome. It was fantastic. I love soaps. It's a shame that they're really dying off and going off the air. There's only a couple on the air still going, but yeah, it was awesome. It was great to have a job.
0: <laughs> okay. Of your horror credits, I see one of your most popular credits is that of a Batty Boop in yeah. three of the uh, Killjoy the Demon Clown films in the franchise. Yes, there are five in the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, you weren't in the first two, but you've been in Killjoy 3, Killjoy Goes to Hell, and Killjoy Psycho Circus. Is that correct?
1: That's correct, yeah. Uh Killjoy um, assembles a badass posse to come back and wreak all hell. And he creates figures he needs, a badass bitch to go along with him, and he mm-hmm. creates Batty Boot and then he creates Punchy, and he creates Free Show of Mine. So um, that didn't happen until the third feature, Killjoy 3, or in some places it's titled uh, Killjoy Revenge, and in some, some places it's titled Killjoy the Demon Clown. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that one has a couple titles. Yeah.
0: Now, was the character Batty Boop already well-defined when you took the role, or did you have a large part in defining her and creating her?
1: Um, I really created Batty Boop with, with John Lachago, the writer and director of uh, 3, 4, and 5. Mm-hmm. Um, John wrote Batty Boop with me in mind. Um, we have a long-standing colleagueship and friendship of many years. And so when he was writing um, the third film, he wrote that role with me in mind. And when he gave me the script and I read it, he gave me a couple notes of, uh, that he wanted to use my body my uh, dance background and my ability to use dialects very well and to be creative with that. So he said, I want her to have a certain kind of move and movement to her. I want to make you up completely nude and uh, give her a sound. I need need an accent of some kind, you know, Mm -hmm. play with it. Um, One of the New York dialects, maybe Brooklyn, Bronx something uh, cockney maybe you know maybe a combination of the two maybe create something I don't know so I was like okay so I went with that and kind of broke the script down and kind of created um, my own batty boop language from studying dialects with uh, um, Robert Easton it was amazing so I kind of took what he taught me and created my own kind of batty language so that I could continue to duplicate it in, in the three films
0: I see now, um, I hear, sort of through the rumor mill, that Batty Boop may get her own film franchise after the uh, Killjoy franchise has run its course. That, that would be
1: incredible. I've heard a lot of wonderful rumors uh, going around about the film. Uh, that would be wonderful. Um, I've heard that rumor before. <laughs> I've also heard a rumor that uh, Robert Rodriguez is interested in, in developing this uh, film franchise into a series, a, a TV series on his El Rey network um i've also heard a rumor of there being new merchandise besides the t-shirts and the new things that they're releasing this season starting in december but uh, a new killjoy doll and a batty Boop doll mm-hmm. um in their merchandise line so there, there's there's all kinds of wonderful rumors and i hope they're all true
0: now <laughs> are the... Well, you know the
1: dolls for sure but they haven't announced that yet so that's a kind of prequel of there will be more merchandise uh, from the film *Killjoys* *Circus*. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, the uh, figures are they currently available, or are they still in the uh, works?
1: Not yet, not yet. No, they haven't been released yet. They, they, the streaming and DVD world premiere uh, is this Thursday, December first. So they're mm-hmm. just, they're just doing that. It played on TV. In October on the El Rey Network, um, and now it's getting to the streaming services such as Hulu and Amazon Prime, also Full Moon uh, .com. They have their own service, and the DVD will finally be available as well, December first. So, and then they've also released the T-shirts as well mm-hmm. for the holidays and whatnot. So they're kind of slowly getting to all stages of. So um, the the dolls are not available yet. You can you can only just pre-order the DVDs and T-shirts. So I think they're solely in the process of.
0: Have you seen a prototype of the doll? Uh, the
1: photos the, photos, the photos that were taken of me, um, the 360 photos that were taken of me for her creation, So, um, and the photos that were, like, the best for what it, what she, what they wanted her to look like. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thrilled.
0: Okay, great. Um, now, I mentioned uh, some other films. Uh, Werewolf in a Women's Prison was another, and you've been in two other Monster in Prison films.
1: Uh, yes. Um, the director and producer of Werewolf in a Woman's Prison um, decided to do two sequels to the Werewolf in a Woman's Prison film um, and make it um, a a series of Dracula in a Woman's Prison mm. followed by Frankenstein in a Woman's Prison. So those movies have been shot, cut, they're flying around festivals, they're flying around distributors, and they're deciding upon a release because they want to release it as a triple uh, DVD uh, package, mm-hmm. which I think is awesome because it kind of completes the um, In a Women's Prison series that I've done with um, Me Films and director Jeff
0: Leroy. Now, is there anyone uh, in indie horror on either side of the camera you haven't worked with yet whom you really want to work with?
1: Uh, Bill Ober's Jr. Bill uh-huh. and I almost worked together a few years ago and then that didn't happen and then a couple of years ago and then it didn't happen and then he was in a series, uh, a web series called Hell's Kitty that I also mm-hmm. appeared in an episode of but we weren't in the same episode together and then that series has been cut into a feature which being was which is being released soon but Bill and I didn't have any scenes together so Bill Overs Jr. I would say was, is someone who I'd love to work with in the near future.
0: Yeah, I saw him in uh, Another Fifty Shades, the fetish set. I don't know if you caught that or not, but, um, yeah, he was really striking in that one.
1: Yeah, it feels amazing.
0: Um, Now, I assume uh, of all the characters you've played, Betty Boop is probably your favorite. Batty Boop, excuse me.
1: Yes, Batty Boop has a dear, special place in my heart just because um, I had a chance to create her Mm -hmm. um, with a filmmaker, and 98% of my performance in all three of the films was one take. Um, there were a couple scenes, one scene I can think of in Killjoy Psycho Circus, I think one in Killjoy Goes to Hell, and also one or maybe two in the third one where there was a second take. So that performance was really, it um, was kind of like a whirlwind out of body experience for mm-hmm. me. It was, it was incredibly physically challenging, um, just the makeup process in and of itself, taking five hours to get into it and two and a half hours to get out every day is pretty much working a full day in makeup before I even started on set. So that was pretty grueling, um, that kind of work. And just that kind of character and how she's so huge and just larger than life that when you get into something like that, you kind of have to stay in it. And it can be very difficult to come out of it and go back in it. And just being nude the whole time, but not ever letting on or acting as if or giving away the fact that you are kind of ignoring the fact that you are And just being around people who respect that or don't respect that that you're working with, it was a really challenging um, experience, and I'm Mm -hmm. really very grateful for it.
0: Her uh, outfit, an amazing outfit. Did you help design that, or did you pick the uh, clothing, or what little clothing there is?
1: (laughs) No, I did not at all. That is on John Lachago and Tom Devlin. John Lachago had the, um, he sketched out what he, had in mind of what he wanted her to look like and we did makeup tests with Tom Devlin, who was the key makeup artist, special effects makeup artist. And um, Betty Boop was a wig and gloves and tights and boots, um, a prosthetic tail, uh, and the rest of it was all body makeup, lashes and contacts. It mm-hmm. was not a suit. It was full body makeup. That's why it took so long to do. Right,
0: was, okay. Yeah. Now you do nude scenes. Uh, do you consider roles with nudity? whether or not it is integral to the plot. Well, in other words, what I'm trying to ask is, would you do a gratuitous nudie, nude scene?
1: Um, For example, somebody,
0: somebody says, we need to give this film an R. I just need a nude scene. I need to, you know, somebody to show their boobs in this one scene. Would you be willing to do that?
1: Well, I mean, I, I, have to, I honestly prefer roles with some kind of nudity because it makes it scandalous, and it makes
0: mm-hmm. people want to see your
1: work and see what you're doing. To me, there really isn't very much gratuitous nudity in the films anymore. Maybe in the 70s and 80s, some girl might just walk in a room and be topless at a party for no reason. But Mm -hmm. all the nudity that I've done, whether it be topless or full, has always been a reason. Getting out of the shower, changing your clothes, your skinny dipping, your your having sex, what what have you. Batty Boop happened to be special that she's a, a succubus. from from hell, a demon succubus from hell, and she was, her body was painted, and that was, you know, her skin, and her scales, and her teeth, uh, you know, all the way up and down, and blah, 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 so that just happened to be the design that the, that the creator had in mind. All the other roles, it's all been for a reason, and uh, I, I mean, I started taking new roles, because honestly, they paid more, and I was never one to feel insecure about the way that I, I looked in any way. And I was always into the shock value and scandalous ooh, taboo of, oh, my God, you know, you get naked or there's a naked scene or there's nudity or there's sex in it. Ugh. How people freak out. That makes people want to see it. So um, I'm all for it.
0: <laughs> all right. Awesome. Now, you and three other horror actresses were recently featured in a Hustler magazine article. Erin Marie Hogan, Pandy Suicide, and Danielle Harris were the other three ladies. Yes, I was
1: thrilled. It is on stands now. It's the Hustler January 2017 issue. And However, it's, it's it has the print been released. issue. Um, it is the print issue. Right. It is uh, the print issue. Uh, you can order it online from Amazon. You can order it online from hustler.com. You can get it at any Hustler uh, store or bookstore or newsstand or some convenience stores still carry. A hustler in um and Playboy and Penthouse like behind the counters. Mm-hmm. Um, any any adult uh toy store or or, or adult video store would, would carry them, and you, you you can get them just you know off the stands um in any of those places nationwide. And even though it is the January two thousand and seventeen issue, it, it's available now. It's out now with a feature article, um, an interview in the magazine. Uh, we have a six page spread. Um, and our title of our article is right on the top of the cover of the magazine, so you won't miss what issue it is, because mm-hmm. it says the final girl's horrors, horrors how to scream queens right on the top, with a little tiny picture of Danielle Harris in the corner to give you a little sneak peek. So you won't miss it when you're buying it off the rack, because you'll, you'll see it in the very cover. And of course, we're in the table of contents, page 74. It was an excellent, awesome, amazing article and interview if you get a chance to to get it and read it by Kelly Webb and um it features yes Daniel Harris who's amazing, Erin Marie Hogan and uh Penny Suicide and they're all lovely and I'm very grateful.
0: Okay, now it's also a uh, pictorial as well as an interview?
1: Yes, it's an interview article, a uh, uh, feature interview article and pictorial.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, awesome. I'll definitely look forward to that. Besides being an actress, you've done a lot of modeling? you're a trained dancer and you're also a singer. So of the four, which came first?
1: Uh, dance came first mm-hmm. I started studying dance first And I started performing professionally In dance first uh, Then came singing Then came voice um, Then came acting um, Then came modeling And then actually came b- composing uh, There's a new feature uh, Aliens vs. Titanic A follow up to Aliens vs. Avatars That I'm in That one of my pop uh, punk rock songs Is featured in called So Long That's coming out uh, worldwide on DVD and it's, it's actually going to be playing Theatrically, I believe, in Asia and India as well They love those those films there In yeah. those territories So I'm excited about that To have uh, one of my first um, songs Coming out in a movie An action sci-fi movie It's really exciting In the past five years I've composed about 50 songs 39 of which have been recorded And my second album just came out Called Can You Not Tell It's a pop rock album 14 tracks So you can get it anywhere online You, uh, iHeartRadio, Amazon, iTunes, Apple Music What have you
0: Okay, cool um, you also have a chapter entitled "No Matter What," write a song about it, in a recently published book, "88 Ways Music Can Change Your Life."
1: Yes, I'm very excited about that. It's actually the second edition of that book, "88 Plus Ways Music Can Change Your Life." There was a the first edition. They just released a second edition with a smaller ensemble of writers that were published, and my story remained. It's published in both editions, and there'll be a second volume to that coming out that I'll be included in um, next year, in 2017, as well. So, I'm very excited. So it'll be the third time I'll be a published writer. (laughs)
0: Cool. Uh, You've written songs under the pseudonym Pepperman, I see.
1: Yes. Victoria Pepperman is actually my birth name. Um, Victoria DeMar is uh, my professional acting name, and I keep Pepperman because uh, under my union uh, ASCAP with my writers Mm -hmm. and publishers um, uh, union, um, my publishing company is Vic Worldwide Music. But as a composer, I'm registered as Victoria Pepperman.
0: See. what instruments do you play
1: um I don't play any instruments I did as a child but I that's not uh, the hat that I wear when I'm creating music. Mm-hmm. Um, When I'm performing music, especially um, the instrument I like to play is is my own, my my voice. I like Mm -hmm. to sing um, as far as, you know, performing the music, you know, you don't have to, you can write songs without writing, you know, with an actual instrument in your hand. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and I uh, co-write most of my songs with my partner, Michael Sean Collins, a a film composer who actually composed the score uh, for Killjoy Psycho Service.
0: I see. Now, you've you've written a lot of songs. Do the lyrics come first, and then you put sort of a melody to them, or is it sort of vice versa? How do you go about writing a song? Is there any set way you have?
1: Or- um, it always hits me through inspiration, and I grab a napkin or whatever I have, pen, pencil near me to write it down. The, the lyrics and the music come to me, um, hit me all at once, so i got to get it down. Thank God for technology in a way that um, if I have my phone on me, hopefully I do, nearby. I can, you know, quickly, you know, just sing it, you know, and record mm-hmm. it and sing the the music, and sing the lyrics and just record it. Or you know I, I keep a pad and a pen near um, you know my bed because a lot of times before I'm drifting off something will hit me and I think oh I'll remember that in the morning and you never do so mm-hmm. you gotta have something to record it or write it down quickly but it hits me all at once could be inspired by a multitude of things but the inspiration just blasts me with it with it all at once and then when I sit down with my partner somehow he hears the music you know we, I write it all out for him and we discuss it and sing for form and whatnot but he, somehow he hears. The parts that I'm, because I'm putting everything together, once the drums, the guitars, the bass, everything, and he hears the music in my head. It's just amazing. So uh, we, we co-write, co-produce, co range co-publish all the songs together. It's been 50 together in the, in the past. Well, about, no, about 40 of those songs were with him. So mm-hmm. we've, we've done quite a lot of recording in the past five years.
0: Now you've had songs that have been on uh, horror mo- uh, movie soundtracks.
1: Um oh, the only one coming up will be um The Aliens versus Titanic it's in the film and it'll be on the soundtrack. I've done a lot of re-records for Halloween release and horror related films released through BSX Records. where I've done a lot of vocals for, for them. Um but, but my only one of my songs is finally in a film uh, coming out this year.
0: Okay. Now I caught you in a music video. Uh, there you are. Mm-hmm. You are Uh, nude at the mic with black bars strategically placed. You were actually nude in the video?
1: Yes, yes, I produced that video. That was one of the first singles released off my first album, Victoria mm-hmm. Damar, and it was getting a lot of um, FM airplay in New York and New Jersey uh, radio stations. So I did a video for it, and I produced it. Uh, John Lachago, who wrote and produced the Killjoy 3, 4, and 5, um, actually shot it for me. And Jeff Leroy, who directed the In a Women's Prison series, he uh, cut it for me, and so... Uh, all the stuff with the, the naked and the close-ups and being naked and the performance and with the bars and the dancing around, the stomping on the Bible and the little girl stuff and the psychotic stuff with the knife, with the pillows and everything. That was all my idea. Mm-hmm. I don't know why people don't seem to believe that. The sexy model with the great body, the, but you never see his face. That was all produced by me.
0: Well, I loved it. Yeah, it's great. Thank you. Now, let's see. How often do you appear at horror events and conventions?
1: As often as possible. So if anyone would like to have me at any time, feel free to get in touch with me, Victoria DeMar at (laughs) yahoo.com. I love doing conventions. I love doing all the Fangoria conventions, which are no longer. I love doing the Creation conventions, the Texas Brightmare in Dallas, uh, Fort Worth area. I love the uh, Kamikaze convention that just uh, came about in October. I I I love conventions.
0: I see you were at the uh, L.A. Fashion and Fetish Ball last year, was it?
1: Yes, I appeared as a guest of Girls and Corpses magazine Mm. um, that I've been featured in as a model and actor several times. So I love the LA fetish and fashion ball scene that goes on. It's an event that goes on a couple times a year every year. The fashion there, the the dancers, um, the little boutique-y fetish shops that come in and sell their stuff, the, the magazines, the press that's there, the music, they have a lot of really great DJs and live performance art. It's really a fantastic, wild scene. So if I get a chance to get invited to it, um, I always go. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, at all these events that you appear at, what's the strangest thing you've ever been asked to sign?
1: <laughs> hmm.
0: Anything out of the <laughs> ordinary?
1: I don't know that I've really been asked to send something weird. Um, that's a good question. No, like, um know, I've just sent a lot of photos and, like, DVDs and scrapbooks and stuff like that, T-shirt maybe. Um, no, I, no, no one ever asked me to sign anything weird. I wish they would. <laughs>
0: okay. Uh, have you ever had any sort of obsessive fans or stalkers or anything like that?
1: Yes, I've had I've had some ugly, unfortunate situations put people online. Not not so much at conventions, um, because of, you know the if things get out of hand. You know those, those people just get escorted out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you know, and that's rare. It's it's really just the diehard fans that are there. For instance, Danielle Harris's table. When I'm across from her, there's a line all weekend long, like you know, to meet her. So I mean. Uh, they're they're really just awesome. The fans are really just awesome and gracious. I, I've had situations with um, fans kind of getting out of control on social media and such, um, uh, stalking, uh, harassment, uh, bullying, and stuff like that. Just mm. um, you know, just just haters. But you know, they say when people really start to hate you, then things must be moving along well for you in your career. So well, yeah, at least they're, it. <laughs> they're not. A, it's
0: better than ignoring you. I guess some people look right. at it that way.
1: So if they really start hating you, you must be getting somewhere. So bring it on. <laughs>
0: Um, shifting gears here, I see you have a few tattoos. Are there any special meanings behind them?
1: Yes, I have seven tattoos currently. They all every single one has has a very dear meaning to me. Mm. Um, they were all created and designed by myself.
0: Which was your first one?
1: Um, my first tattoo was a tattoo I have on my lower back, which is a gold cross that looks like it's inflamed or burning, wrapped with a red rose. There's a special meaning to all all my tattoos they're, they're very personal.
0: Uh, you've done some really wild photo shoots. What would you say has been your most memorable photo shoot?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, I I don't think I've ever had a bad experience modeling. Something that really oh, st- know, stands
0: out in your mind, like a photo shoot you'll never forget.
1: Well, I'll never forget the Hustler photo shoot, that's yeah. for sure. I also will never forget working with Mark Tierney. Um,
0: I read Hustler magazine, you know, when I was younger growing up, and I assume it's still the same. I don't assume that you ladies posed, quote-unquote, Hustler style, did you? Um,
1: no, we did not. Since we were not one of the featured model spreads, we were actually the feature editorial article. So there are photos of us all together that are clothed. Then there are individual photos with us um, in lingerie and implied nudity. Danielle Harris and and Erin Marie Hogan are in, in the in the single photos are in lingerie. Mm-hmm. Um, Pandy Suicide is is um, in in lingerie and implied nudity. Uh, she has her arms covering her uh, her chest and um, I am actually topless and in see through panties in in my photo. I, I was the only one that that bared the nudity. But I figured, hey, I'm probably only going to be in Hustler awesome magazine once. I remember this magazine from when I was a little girl. Yeah. I, I'm doing it going i'm going to go balls out baby i'm going topless
0: <laughs> okay so well very mild by hustler standards unless they've changed over oh. the years
1: but. oh absolutely they, they've actually gone a tiny bit softer they're mm-hmm. they're still hard stuff in it but they, they've they've actually got a, a a tiny bit softer with their featured uh model spreads there there are some hardcore spreads that you that you probably recall from the 70s and 80s oh but, yeah uh-huh. but it, it has gotten it has actually gotten a little a little softer
0: Let's see. I have my notes here. We did cover that you dance professionally. You, uh, you were with the Wilmington Ballet and the Geoffrey Ballet and the Saint Croix Ballet Company. you started dancing ballet?
1: That's correct. Yeah, my first actually professional job um, as a dancer when I when I was when I was a child. My mom is a professional ballet dancer, so I started studying ballet very young um, and actually started performing. Uh, professionally with companies very, yeah. very young. So you were a professional um,
0: caliber ballerina? Uh,
1: yes, I was doing um, soloist roles, principal roles, you know guest starring roles for other companies um, at a, at a very young age, while still you know in school in um, you know high school and in college and whatnot, you know that was that was my professional job. Um, I, didn't, I didn't work at the Starbucks or McDonald's I, I had a job as a dancer so it was uh, but it was difficult you know because then you're in, you're in school all day and then you leave and then you go to your training and your classes and your you know rehearsals and whatnot and your performances and then you know you're back to school so it was um, it, it was a stressful thing to juggle um, as a kid but I loved it so much
0: that um, you know I, I was happy to do it. Do you still train these days at all?
1: I do. I still, um, you know, when I'm practicing and, and, and training and stuff and, and taking class, as they, as they call it, I'm always still going to ballet class.
0: <laughs> Have you ever incorporated that into any films?
1: Um, Yes, I actually produced a film that I starred in a short film uh, called Loving Grant Parsons about a ballet dancer that had a terrible uh, heroin drug addiction that was uh, suicidal and then um, Did not commit suicide and and her life was saved through this song and and the artist Grant Parsons Um, There was a lot of ballet a lot of dancing in that movie Um, and I've played a stripper a bazillion times in a bazillion movies So that, you know, my my skill as a dancer and studying ballet and modern and jazz and tap and hip hop and everything really, really uh, served me well as an actor because I played a dancer many, many, many times. Um, I was also a member of, in Los Angeles, um, the Heart Pulse Dance Company, which is a ballet-based contemporary company that was uh, amazing that I I was with
0: uh, a few years ago. All right. Fascinating. Well, with that, I'll thank you again for doing this with me, Victoria. And in closing, thank you. do you have any shout-outs to anyone?
1: Um, I would like to say thank you to Hustler Magazine and to Full Moon Features and John Lachago and BSX Records and Michael Sean Collin. And my mom. Of
0: course, can't forget <laughs> uh, And my
1: dad for loving Killjoy's. The circus being so amazed that he can't believe the best kid so thank you to all of you i wouldn't be where i am without you all and for those interested you can find me anywhere on social media and my website is screenqueendemar.com.
0: all right so on behalf of victoria and myself i'll say thank you to the listeners readers and fans of vital features if you like what you see and hear at our website, subscribe and follow us on social media to catch this upcoming interview with Victoria, as well as more interviews with ladies worthy of a double-take. This has been Chris Charles, and I'll leave you with a taste of Victoria's song, End Up. It's so
1: hard to see the light Just this darkness all
0: inside